Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. On Preaching and Preachers, we have a couple of different types of episodes that we record. Uh, We discuss various aspects of preaching and pastoral ministry, and we also discuss preaching through certain biblical books. Today, we're going to introduce a, a third genre of episode, the preaching of great preachers, both past and present. So this type of recording will focus on what we can learn from the great preachers in church history and great preachers in our midst today. To kick us off, today I get to welcome David Mathis to the podcast to discuss the preaching of John Piper. David is the executive editor for DesiringGod.org and pastor at Cities Church in Minneapolis. He's also the author of Habits of Grace, Enjoying Jesus in the Spiritual Disciplines. David, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, Jason. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, and look, it's talk, having you on the, the podcast is like talking to an old friend. I've known you, I guess, for a decade or so now, at least distantly, and we have opportunity a time or two a year to connect on uh, one issue or another. So it's good to have you today talking about the preaching of John Piper. Now, before we get into kind of the meat of that, why don't you give us a word of update on you, your your current ministry with Desiring God, and um, and any writing projects you're in the midst of? Well, the... Uh... The day job for me, and often is more than just day job, is executive editor at DesiringGod.org. Uh, and uh, apart from work time, I am a volunteer lay pastor, one of seven, at Cities Church in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Just a little three-year-old church plant planted out of Bethlehem Baptist Church in January of 2015, just past our uh, three-year anniversary. Uh, I'm the father of four husband to Megan. Uh, we have twin boys, Carson and Coleman, who are uh, going on eight. And uh, my little daughter, Gloria, so precious, is my first daughter. She just turned three, and now I have a second daughter who's precious as well. Baby Mercy was born last April, and she'll be one year old next month. Um, in, in terms of writing projects, I, I don't, I'm not typically uh, working on something big, um, <laughs> if mercies are new every week for me, I typically write a, a new article and uh, I'm looking for some kind of inspiration typically from something I'm meditating on or lingering over in the Bible and uh, flesh that out in about a, a thousand words. Or sometimes I'll do more of a feature article, we call them, that'll be 1,500, even up to 2,000 words, something like that. And so uh, week in and week out, I'm writing on topics inspired by uh, various biblical texts by the glory of God, by joy in God, uh, by, by putting into words uh, this vision of life and ministry that uh, John Piper has called uh, Christian hedonism. And uh, that's the, the great honor and joy I get to be a part of week in and week out here at Desiring God. Wonderful. And now listen, I, I say this with a smile on my face. I know why I'm inviting you to talk about the preaching of John Piper, but uh, our listeners may not. And so tell us a little bit about your story, uh, when and how that intersected with Dr. Piper and uh, the roles you fulfilled by his side over the years. Well, I see, I first heard John Piper's name and then probably heard him preach while I was a student at Furman University in Greenville, South Carolina. I grew up Southern Baptist, and I'm Southern Baptist now. Our, our church plant is a Southern Baptist church plant. And I went off to college, and I got involved with a, a reformed campus ministry called uh, Campus Outreach. And one of the guys who was investing in me, discipling me, uh, wanted us to, to read this book by John Piper. And uh, I was not 
much of a reader at the time, and I was suspicious of people who weren't Southern Baptist. And so uh, when uh, when I heard that this guy was Baptist, that, that was good. But then when I heard he, he wasn't Southern Baptist, that was a problem for me. But uh, when I went kicking and screaming, uh, eventually uh, I encountered John here for the first time in his his uh, his book, Desiring God, in part of a discipleship group at Furman University. And it, it was life-changing for me. And then as part of that campus ministry while at Furman, uh, I ended up, uh, upon graduation, coming with that ministry to Bethlehem Baptist. Um, Bethlehem Baptist here in Minneapolis had invited campus outreach to come be the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist and reach out at the campus of the University of Minnesota, which is uh, less than a mile away from, from Bethlehem Baptist. And so uh, John Piper, the uh, the distant writer and preacher, accessed through the Internet <laughs> as a college student, uh, became my pastor then in the fall of of uh, of 2003. And uh, while I was doing campus ministry with Campus Outreach at the University of Minnesota, I was doing a little uh, part-time apprenticeship seminary program at Bethlehem Baptist. Back then it was called TBI, the Bethlehem Institute. And today the Bethlehem Institute has grown and become Bethlehem College and Seminary. It offers four-year degrees in college and a four-year uh, seminary MDiv and even a THM option at Bethlehem Baptist Church. And so uh, next, John was was uh, was pastor for me and sat under his preaching week in and week out. And then I got to have him as a professor in a preaching class, the, the kind of the, the crowning gem of the Bethlehem apprenticeship program in those days was a, a, a year-long preaching class with John Piper week in and week out. And you had to stand up and give your 15-minute New Testament message in the fall semester, and then in the spring, your 20-minute Old Testament message while John Piper sat there, took notes, and then uh, gave you positive and constructive feedback uh, afterwards. And uh, then it was in the it was the end of 2005, uh, beginning in 2006, when John's old uh, assistant, a guy named Justin Taylor. Uh, took a job with Crossway Books to work on the ESV Study Bible. And uh, John and Justin and John Bloom offered me a job to uh, to work as, as John Piper's executive assistant, uh, which entailed some editing of books, traveling with John, keeping the calendar, uh, kind of doing everything possible in John's back pocket to kind of keep his life together of uh, pastoring and preaching in Bethlehem and going on the road with the ministry of Desiring God and attending to the responsibilities he had with TBI as that became uh, Bethlehem College and Seminary. And so uh, that, that's kind of the, the journey there from uh, from accessing John's preaching through the Internet as a college student, to uh, being here in person with the campus ministry in 2003, beginning to work for John in 06, and then in 2012, uh, I became executive editor, came off the road, stopped traveling with John every time, and uh, and focused more on the editing responsibilities. And uh, so I continue to, to work happily uh, with and for John here in, in 2018, and it's been, uh, I guess, going on more than 12 years now, going on 13 years of uh, working along John Piper. So I've <laughs> heard a lot of messages <laughs> uh, not just uh, over the Internet, but, but live. And uh, I I don't know that I can uh, 
analyze and, and take him apart and explain the, the mystery, but I'm, I'm happy to testify to what I've seen and heard. <laughs> well, we look forward to you doing that. I want to kind of rewind the conversation a few moments back to your church plant, and uh, you used the word Southern Baptist several times. Of course, I appreciate about about your past and your family. Little known fact, your father was a trustee at Midwestern Seminary, served here for 10 years, in fact, was a trustee was on the board when I when I was elected president here. So I enjoyed uh, getting to know your dad a bit and overlapping with him just just a short period, a year or so while we overlapped here. Now, I am curious, you said your your church plant uh, in Minneapolis there is a Southern Baptist church plant. That's fascinating to me. How, how did that happen? Because I'm assuming it was, the plant was largely sponsored from, from Bethlehem Baptist Church. Yeah, that's right. We're, uh, we're four of us founding pastors, um, all four from Bethlehem. Two of us were elders at Bethlehem. And so this was a multi-elder <laughs> send-out, just barely qualified as a multi-elder send-out because there are two of us, but then also a professor from Bethlehem College and Seminary and then a, a recent grad of Bethlehem College and Seminary. And so uh, we, are, we were all Bethlehem through and through and happy to be Bethlehem. And as we started uh, looking at the, the different options for planting, uh, we came across a guy named Joshua Wettstein, who was a graduate of Southern Seminary, who hadn't been in Minneapolis for, for too long, but he was with the North American Mission Board. And uh, apparently, of all 50 states, Minnesota, Wisconsin is the least Southern Baptist per capita, or something like that. And uh, Minneapolis is what they call a SEND, S-E-N-D, a SEND mm-hmm. city, one of these targeted cities here in the last however many years. And so the combination of uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Minneapolis meant that the, the Southern Baptists were very eager to partner with us. I don't know how much we initiated toward them and how much we heard from them, but uh, somebody knew somebody and uh, put us together. And we found a real uh, brother in Joshua Wettstein, and we uh, have, have loved our, our partnership and ministry with the Southern Baptist Convention. So it, it's not a mutually exclusive thing with Bethlehem by any means. We're, we're also... Uh, a TCT church, that is the Bethlehem Baptist planting uh, engine called Treasuring Christ Together. So we're, we're happy, happily associated with, uh, with TCT, as well as the North American Mission Board and, and the Southern Baptists. Uh, of the four of us founding pastors, uh, two of us are from the Carolinas, and one was from Texas, <laughs> and the other's from Wisconsin. So uh, I think three of the four of us had grown up Southern Baptist. And I, I don't think we were on any kind of special mission to make all Baptists into Southern Baptists or anything like that. But uh, we were all very happy to uh, to be reunited with old friends from the convention. And uh, we had all had very uh, good backgrounds and wonderful experiences growing up in the, the SBC and connected with uh, various Southern Baptist seminaries. And so it was a, a natural fit. It's been a happy partnership. Mm. Hey, David, let's pause just for a moment for a word of update from Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry contact. Come be a part of one of the fastest-growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging Word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu mdiv today. 
I'm back in Preaching and Preachers talking with David Mathis on the preaching of John Piper. Well, listen, let me ask you this question as we move into the meat of the conversation today. And uh, kind of like when I when I asked the question a few moments ago, I said, I, I know why I'm having you on the podcast. You tell our listeners why you're on the podcast. Uh, the owner re- kind of asked the next question in that stream of thought is, I know I'm having a conversation about John Piper today, but for our listeners, why are we talking about John Piper? What about his life and ministry has made it di- have been distinct? What about his life and ministry makes him a, a worthy topic for us to engage today when we're talking about great preachers? Mm, man. Well, in interest of, uh, of not saying nothing and knowing that I can't say everything that could be said there, let me uh, let me start with a few bullets of what I've experienced that have made that's made John uh, helpful. Um, early on, and w- one of the first things was uh, his vision of philosophy, vision of, of life and ministry, philosophy of life and ministry called Christian hedonism. The God is most glorified in us and most satisfied in him. Now, I, I, from very early on, I could not deny I wanted to be happy. And growing up in church, it was very clear that God meant to be glorified, not just as a throwaway, a uh, little three-word phrase uh, for the glory of God, uh, to slap onto a, you know, a Christian statement, but God rightfully uh, meant to be glorified in the world, in my life. And I couldn't deny I wanted to be happy. And as a, as a college freshman, John put those two things together uh, for me in the book, Desiring God. And that was a, a, was a powerful life change um, to have the heart back. I, I think maybe uh, in my unregenerate state, I had viewed Christianity uh, so dutifully, so much about what was right uh, rather than what was uh, good and beautiful. And to to bring all three of those together, that Christianity was both right and true, uh, and it was delightful. It was beautiful. Um, The heart, my heart could be engaged and not stepped on uh, to follow Jesus. That was was thrilling, and it was life-changing. And so uh, Christian hedonism uh, was was the first thing. Uh, tapping into the to the human heart, the importance of the affections, and how that comes together with God's purpose in the world to be glorified. So, uh, because of that philosophy and emphasis, John taps in deeply to the human heart, and he taps into the the bigness of God, and that, that's a way of bringing together uh, the biblical vision of God's bigness and supremacy and majesty, along with the the Bible's concern for the human heart. Um, so uh, that, that was powerful. And then, as I tried to test all things by the Scriptures, my home church taught me so well that the Bible could be trusted. And so uh, the instinct from very early on is, how does this square with the Scriptures? And uh, as I tried to test it in the Scriptures, as I read John's book, listened to his messages, he was as saturated and shaped by the Bible as just about anybody else I could find. He is a Bible guy. So uh, so long before there's there's Reformed theology or there's a little you know, stripe of what we call Christian hedonism, which you don't have to use that name, just believe in the concept is biblical. John Piper uh, was a Bible guy. He loves the Bible, and he, he doesn't just quote verses and cite verses uh, as proof text. He goes into the verses. <laughs> so uh, I don't know that Preaching Romans for eight years is for every preacher, uh, but that he could preach Romans for eight years 
uh, says something about uh, how biblical, how comfortable he is going deep in the biblical text, asking hard questions about the biblical text, expecting there to be answers, expecting there to be life and health and food for the soul uh, in the Bible. And so other than, uh, than John's uh, willingness and uh, importance, uh, his, his, uh, his priority of the human heart and of the glory of God, uh, there was his uh, relentless draw to be biblical, to explain it from the Bible. And that was a, a powerful part that made him, him so convincing. And then and maybe one other thing to toss in, just on an initial thought of it, is uh, John clearly had been personally impacted by these things. Um, now, there are different personality types in terms of being more expressive and uh, less expressive. John's more expressive in the pulpit as the, uh, as the anointing is on him. But one thing that, that makes him so compelling is it is so clear that he's authentic about these things. Uh, he has tasted and seen, and what he now brings to share through his message is what he has tasted and experienced and is experiencing in the moment of the preaching. I think that was, was so powerful, that, that preaching isn't just uh, serving up, kindling, for worship at some other time, but preaching itself is worship. I could see John worshiping as he was proclaiming uh, the truth from, from standing over the book, or I could hear it in his voice uh, in audio that, uh, that John had been shaped by the truth he was, he was speaking, and then he was bringing it to the audience. And so he didn't always or typically have the most clever outline. He, he didn't go by the book. Uh, it, it, it didn't have cookie-cutter sermons. Uh, sometimes they were gloriously messy in terms of long lists. Seminary professors tell you, don't do a 15-item list. <laughs> but John Piper can do a 15-item list because he's felt it. It's real. It, it's believable. It, it, it's not a put-on. And so I, I think that was a, a breath of fresh air for me and has been for others, uh, that there's, there's no easy book on here's the John Piper method. Here's here's the nice way that he always kind of puts it together, uh, but he is typically moved by the text, and then seeks the best way he knows how and the limiting limited constraints he has to to then bring that message to an audience. I found that very compelling. So you talked about the text, and uh, I think you made made reference to him him not necessarily doing it by the book. Well, he, he does have a book, The Supremacy of God in Preaching, which uh, has been out now over, over a couple decades and uh, was named Preaching Book of the Year when it came out. I read it many years ago. I reread it several times since. Uh, I guess let me just put you in the dock here and ask you, the book he wrote on preaching, how would you compare and contrast what Dr. Piper does in the pulpit himself with the book he, he wrote on preaching? The, well, I got good news for you. Uh, next month, he has a new book on preaching. So uh, The Supremacy of God in Preaching was John's book on preaching from very early on. It's, it's a small volume. It's mainly Jonathan Edwards. It's mainly a vision of God. So it, it, it's a perspective on preaching. It's, it's not practicals on preaching. It's not how to put together a three-part uh, sermon. There, John, John does have things to say about uh, doing uh, weddings and funerals and posture and, je- and, uh, and gestures and tone. Uh, he, he did those things in the preaching class. But in the first we got in preaching book from the 
from the 80s. It's very much a perspective. It's very Edwardsian from, from Jonathan Edwards. And now here at the end of John's pastoral ministry, after 33 years at, at Bethlehem Baptist, which he, he finished that weekly, weekly pre- preaching ministry back in 2013. And so a year ago, um, we sent him away for a couple months and uh, said, John, you know, capture for us, <laughs> capture for us here, here now, after 33 years of preaching, um, your vision of preaching. And he had been working on this series where he, he did a book on peculiar glory, how we can know the Bible is true. And then the, the next book was called Reading the Bible Supernaturally, uh, how we then read the Bible and see the glory in the Bible. And then now this preaching book, which is called Expository Exaltation, Christian Preaching as Worship. Uh, it's the, the capstone of the series, uh, in a sense. If, it, if it's been the, the, the first book being uh, that the Bible is God's Word and how we know it, the second book being how do we access the glory in the Scriptures, and then now this third book is how do we turn and how do we become a means? How do we as preachers become a site of the glory, become an instrument of the glory to our congregations week in and week out? So the, the new book on preaching called Expository Exaltation, uh, it, is, it is not like, like your typical book on preaching. Just as the uh, Supremacy of God in Preaching book from the 80s was not your typical book, because it's mainly perspective. Uh, it's, it's mainly a vision of God, uh, not of how to do sermon craft. And, and so the same uh, is true here in Expository Exaltation. It is, it's now uh, 70 years of living and 30-plus years of, of preaching experience that John is drawing from. Uh, he doesn't do it in the, in the typical categories of a, of a nicely packaged seminary curriculum on preaching. It, it, it probably, in and of itself, the book won't probably be a stand-in uh, for a, a, a seminary uh, course on preaching, but I think it'll be a powerful supplement, a powerful vision uh, for, for the life and ministry of a preacher. Uh, and then, and John's very content then to let some of those practical things fall in their place. He's, he's got opinions on posture and, and gestures and tone and sermon length and uh, how many points to do in the outline and, and those kind of things. But he mainly wants to influence people with a vision of God and a vision of preaching and the weight of preaching and the role that it plays in the context of corporate worship uh, as worship, that the preacher himself is leading in worship over God's Word. So, David, and, let, let me do the—let me uh, hop—yeah, yeah, I don't mean to cut you off here. Let me hop in here. You're, you're doing such a spectacular job painting a picture for us. Um, I, I have about five minutes left, and I want to try to dial in on four <laughs> particular questions, Okay. So that, that's that's unfair, I know, but I got about a minute of question for you, and so I just want to make sure our listeners get these four questions answered in the course of this podcast. Uh, number one, what makes John Piper the type of preacher that others want to listen to? I think he has uh, seen and experienced and tasted these things for himself in the Bible and lived them. and. People want authenticity, they want truth, and they want to appropriately feel that truth from God and be satisfied in it. So when Dr. Piper walks into the pulpit to preach, and I would actually answer this both kind of uh, public at the public level, as you're there in the pew listening to him, but also at the private level, meaning if you're in the study with him before the service, you know, you're praying with him before he preaches. Uh, when he walks into the pulpit, what is he seeking to accomplish? 
I think one way he would say it is uh, that he wants to awaken affections for God and satisfy them with God. Um, so he, he loves the quote from Edwards that uh, he wants to raise people's affections as high as possible as long as they're in proportion to the truth that's being proclaimed. So John has very much an interest in the heart. Uh, he, as is, as is plain, he's a thinker. He loves thinking, wrote a book on the life of the mind. Uh, he's, he's a very intense and sharp thinker. But thinking always serves God-glorifying feeling. Uh, he wants thought and logic and doctrine and explanation and rationale to serve the awakening of the heart so that the heart would be satisfied in who God is and God would be glorified by the heart being satisfied in who he is and who he reveals us to be uh, in the scripture. So as we pray before the service, um, we pray uh, more than just for heart, but we always pray for heart. God, would you awaken heart? Would you keep believing heart believing? Would you stir uh, life-changing, new, fresh affections? Uh, we are very much concerned with the heart, and that is a, 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 an explicit prayer and, uh, and conscious focus going into the sermon. So, okay, I'm going to try to get through two more questions here. And, uh, man, you're, you're doing a wonderful job, David. Thank you for fleshing this out for us. Second, uh, the next question is this. What would you say is the most important thing you have learned from the preaching of John Piper? I'm sure I could think of bunches of things and maybe some better things if I had some time, but this is on the spot. Uh, I think one thing is not just to quote Bible, not just to make biblical parentheses, but to get inside the text and explain the text, to linger over the text, that uh, I don't mainly need the right library of commentaries to preach God's Word. I need to meditate. I need to steep my soul in the Bible and try to explain how one verse relates to the next, to get the people of God into the book, not just to quote the, the verse, just to cite the verse as, a, as backup or support, but to put my finger on the verse and say, you see it? Right there. The way that question's asked, the way the answer comes, beginning with the word for, can you see it for yourself? Don't take my word for it. I want to show it to you in the Bible itself so that you're uh, so that your so the authority rests on what God said and not what I say as a preacher. And finally, any practical words of advice you can give our listeners about just practical lessons that you've learned about the preaching or from the preaching of John Piper? Anything from how to preach to how to prepare a sermon? Just just anything along the way you've picked up. You thought, hmm, man, that is really helpful. You know, the, uh, in, in the new book on expository exaltation, John captures it so well on uh, like what is the, the spiritual, psychological how of preaching by the Spirit. Uh, how do you go through the natural movements and motions of preparing a message, <laughs> waiting there as the congregation gathers and worships together in song, uh, stepping to the podium praying, beginning the message? How do you preach in such a way that it's by the Spirit? How do you preach so that you would say with Paul in 1 Corinthians 15.10, not I, but the grace of God through me? <laughs> How do I preach in such a way that it's not me preaching? How do I preach supernaturally? And uh, John so lives that uh, in terms of 
And he, he, he walks through this thing in the chapter. You'll, you'll find it helpful, I think, if you go there to expository exaltation. He walks through his five letters, A-P-T-A-T, of admitting our weakness, of trusting in a promise, A-P-T, admit, praying, asking for God's help, trusting in a promise, and a, a regular promise that John goes to and has gone to over the years is in the Great Commission. I'm with you always. To, to remind yourself and going to the podium, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'm ready to help you. I'll be with you. And then A, to act, to do the preaching. Do what you've prepared for. Uh, step up and, and do it by the Spirit. Uh, move your will toward it and fulfill the task you've been given. And then to circle back to last T and to, to thank. And I think a process like that is so helpful for us in, the, in living the Christian life on the ground. There are so many things that we come up to and we're fearful of or we're reluctant. And to admit our weakness, to pray for God's help, to trust his promise by faith, and then to act, to act not based on our strength, not based on our energy, not based on our experience, not based on our cleverness, but to act based on his spirit will accomplish the work that God has sent for him to do. And to circle back and thank God is a, is a powerful uh, way of living the ordinary supernatural life. David, this has been fantastic. Thank you for joining me on Preaching and Preachers, and uh, may the Lord bless you and all that he's entrusted to you. Thank you, brother. It's always a joy to talk to you. Thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, please visit my website, jasonkallen.com.